Hi, everybody. Welcome to Podcast of Lady on Fire, where we explore the filmmaking themes and community involved in Celine Sciamma's portrait of a lady on fire. We are your hosts. I'm Laurel Hachinova. And I'm Audrey And today we are very pleased to bring Valerie Complex back on the show. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Valerie is our first three-peat guest. Oh, yeah. This is a record. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me back. I love y'all. The feeling is mutual. So, yeah, our last episode with Valerie was cut a little short, so she is back to finish answering some of your questions and also talk about some stuff that's happening in the portrait community. A couple of quick disclaimers before we jump in. Neither of us speak French, so as always, apologies in advance if we mess anything up. And I don't think there are going to be any spoilers in this episode, but if there are, whoops, sorry. <laughs> whoops. <laughs> I know. All right, let's get into it. Last time we had a bunch of listener questions for Valerie, and we just have a few more, and they're actually all from Gina. So, <laughs> Thank you, Gina. All right. So from Gina, the first one is, what was the movie that you saw that sealed the deal for studying cinema? I don't think I studied cinema, but what sealed the deal? Meaning like for film criticism? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, probably. The first film I saw that made me want to be a critic, this is going to rhyme. The first movie I saw (laughs) that made me want to be a critic is a movie called Riddick. (laughs) Wow. That's not where I thought that was going. That's great. Wait, yeah. Riddick, Riddick? Riddick. Uh-huh. Like Vin Diesel, Riddick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that being a good movie. I didn't think so, so I wrote about it. Or maybe it was the first, it was the first one that was a really good movie. Because that's no, a sequel, that's, right? No, that's Pitch Black. Yes. It's Pitch Black, Yes. Uh-huh. The Chronicles of Riddick, Riddick, and okay. then just Riddick. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, so that's the third one? Pitch Black is the one I like. Yeah, Okay. the third okay. one. It was so bad, I wrote about it on <laughs> Movie Pilot. And people did not like me. They were like, oh. women don't know anything about action. Oh, and blah, blah. yeah. You know, okay. you know how people are. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that encouraged you to keep writing film criticism? That's amazing. <laughs> yep. Because I was like, there's so many bad films and I have fun talking about how bad they are. <laughs> so. Could you give us some of the low? Do you remember any of the lowlights from Riddick? Oh, my God. Kate. What's her name? Kate. Katie Sackoff. Is playing a lesbian. Oh. oh. Katie Sackhoff is in it. From BSG? Yeah. And she's playing a lesbian. Of course. And she calls herself a lesbian, but at the end, she's like flirting with oh, no. and trying to have sex with Riddick and like straddling him and all this Starbuck, stuff. Starbuck, no. <laughs> it's weird. It's really weird. Wow. Yeah. That's disappointing. Maybe Riddick is also a lesbian and it was like just super progressive. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> I'm sure that's what Vin Diesel thinks right now. <laughs> yeah. That's too bad. I remember liking the, the first of the films, but I don't think I saw the other two. Actually. I do like the first one. I like the first. I love Black. Yeah, the concept was really cool. All right. So the next question we have for you is, what horror movie do you think is the most overrated? Hereditary. Oh. oh I never saw that with I Tony haven't seen Collette. that one. That's pretty recent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it came out a few years ago, I think. I think it's 2017 to 2016. Who's it by? Like, was it by someone who'd done something else that was already it's popular? It's Ari Aster. He did a Midsommar. Yeah, that's right. Oh. That's his follow-up to Hereditary. Yeah. Which was also kind of uh, polarizing, I, I think. I heard that was really good. I liked Midsommar better than Hereditary. 
But I just thought like hereditary was really building tension as this like family life was like turning on one another and kind of just going crazy through psychosis. And then it turns out like it was all a part of this necromantic plan by the devil. I was like, oh, that's corny. What? Aw. That feels like a cop out. It is. I thought it was a cop out. It's kind of like the it's all a dream of horror movies, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, that sucks. So I think that was pretty overrated. And I made it pretty known that I didn't like that. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that I thought was. I don't like the Babadook. I thought that was overrated too. Oh, interesting. I like that one. I thought it was. Yeah, I enjoyed that one too. What didn't you like about it? I thought the really, the child actor was really annoying. But wasn't that like his main thing is that like he's terrifyingly annoying. (laughs) Like he's monstrously annoying. I think that the movie just moves too slow Mm -hmm. to get to the point of like, oh, so the horror is about depression. What? Why didn't you say that in the beginning? And then Mm. we see how she deals with it. Because I believe presenting the reality and the result at the beginning Mm. and seeing how people deal with it is a lot scarier than, oh, going through this thing and finding out at the end, oh, she was just depressed and this is a manifestation of her imagination. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a slow burn. Yeah. Super duper slow. I think you may have recommended this last time, but what's a standout, your standout horror movies right now? Maybe your top one or your top three, if you've got three. But not two. (laughs) I know I talked about Relic. Mm -hmm. See, it's hard because like, I have a very strict criteria for what horror is. Everything else is just thriller to me. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So like true horror, Relic, Us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to get back about a third of one. But... Okay, but definitely Midsommar over Hereditary. Yes. Is Relic a family horror? Like just looking yes. at the. Yes, it's a it's a horror drama. Great. So we've got Relic instead of. Oh wait, was Hereditary horror as well? Great. Just see both yes. Relic and Midsommar <laughs> instead of Hereditary. Relic, Midsommar, and us. Which is excellent. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love that film. Yeah. Yeah. That was creepy. Oh my gosh. I know it was really it really was. Okay, and then the third one. Oh, this one's interesting. What's a favorite review that you've read? By someone else? Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Or hey, if you've got if it's a your favorite own review. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of your own that you're super proud of. Both. My favorite review that I've read recently is Angelica Bastian reviewed Antebellum. Ooh. And oh boy, <laughs> she, she lit that roof on fire. Cool. I was like, oh my God. She said everything that I that I couldn't say in my review, which my review was kind of inflammatory. Like I said, some things like, I was like, did these actors go to the Yosemite Sam School of Dramatic Arts? Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Even Janelle Monet, I haven't seen it. I didn't read I your review because either. I haven't seen Antebellum, so I didn't want to spoil it. But, oh, that's so disappointing. Ain't no spoilers in it, but man, I just... So I really love that review. Is it the one that's called I'm Tired of Films Like Antebellum? Yeah. Okay. Ooh, okay. We'll link to that in the show notes. I don't like spoilers either, but I, I don't think I'm going to see the film. It just... Yeah, I might not. not heard anything positive anywhere. <laughs> anywhere at all. <laughs> anywhere. Yeah. Who directed it? Who wrote it? Two gay dudes, mm. one white, one black, and they're like, "Yeah, we're making a revolutionary movie." It's like, no, Aww, you're not. That's so disappointing. Twenty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof, oof. Twenty-eight. Um, one of my favorite reviews that I've written, the one that comes to mind is about the Great Wall with Matt Damon. Remember that movie oh where he went to China? And... Oh my god! <laughs> I can't wait 
to read this. I'll send y'all the links. Okay, please. Because I avoided that movie like the plague. I was like, there is no way I'm going to go through some Last Samurai bullshit with Matt Damon. You actually saw this. You are braver than us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I went in on that review. I was like, why is this so bad? Because it really is bad. Because the premise is terrible. Just seeing him in that outfit <laughs> it's like kind of made me a little sick yeah like uh i kind of want to write film criticism of just movie premises because i feel like i could mm. go in right just on that right mm -hmm. there or like the marketing around it yeah yeah i think somebody had asked if i wanted to write a movie about film marketing and how it affects the experience of oh that's cinema. interesting but yeah. we could talk a little bit more about that after the questions are answered and we talk mm -hmm. about the other stuff. Or when you come back for a fourth time. <laughs> for a fourth time. But ready for the next question. Okay, the last question we got for you is, were you inspired by someone into becoming a film critic? No. I mean, I used to watch like Siskel and Ebert every Sunday, huh. but I never thought I would be doing film criticism like Roger Ebert. That never crossed my mind, but mm -hmm. I had met this editor-in-chief of BGN on a podcast, and then I was like, hey, I'd like to write more reviews. I think they're fun. I'll write for you. And it sort of just went from there. I had no intentions of being popular because of that. I had an idea about a different name that I was going to be and, and everything. But when I started writing, Valerie Complex just sort of took off mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was too late. And like people Aww. started noticing me and my reviews and stuff. What was the other name? Viza, VZA. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Do you use it for anything else or it's just it's too late? <laughs> Aww. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. It's I like funny. Valerie Complex. Yeah, that's a great. I feel like you yeah. can, depending on how you put the inflection, it could mean different things. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it means so many things, right? Like there's complexity, there's a complex. Like you could have a Valerie Complex. Yeah. You know. I think when I thought about it, I was like, wow, I'm a complex individual. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then I was like, Valerie <laughs> Complex. And then I was like, ah, oh, I think it's corny. No. What about Visa? And it was too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's also, but like a complex, like it's a like a unit of right. There's so yeah. many meetings, like an apartment <laughs> like we, complex. We're in the complex. Like we're yeah. we are in like the world of Valerie. Yeah, that's cool. So it works really well. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for answering the rest of the questions. No, thank you. Thank you, Gina. Do we want to talk about some stuff that's happening in portrait community? Well, I don't know if it's happening anymore, but I know in June when I mentioned all the stuff, I was like, all right, so y'all are wilding out. But pretty much back in June, what was happening was like the first round of Black Lives Matter protests that were happening in France. Mm -hmm. And like, I was in a portrait group. I was in a couple of different groups about portrait of Lady of Fire. And People that were like in France were talking about going to the protest to see if they could get pictures with Adele, mm. seeing the fine Noemi, looking for wow. Celine. And I'm like, so you're not going to go there for the cause? You're going to go there to look for a celebrity photo op? How corny is that? It's anti-Black, too. Yeah. People didn't want to hear that. And I was like, what are y'all doing? Like, they would, like, get pictures from the protest. And then Asa Traoré is, I'm pronouncing it wrong, but she is the one who's been sort of leading this movement because her brother was killed by police in 2016. Mm -hmm. And so they would take pictures with her and Adele in it and crop her out. <laughs> Just leave Adele That That's disgusting. I, it's, 
Wait, can we talk about the fucked up irony of that? That like Adele is literally out there with Asa protesting police brutality and people are taking the photos and cropping out the black woman that is with Adele and then posting it on the internet. It's gross. And they would say shit like, look at my baby. She's out there fighting for justice. It's like, are you kidding me? Right. Yeah. Or like hero with a heart next to it. Yeah. Oh, I can't stand it. It's like, this is not about white women. Like, this is about, you know, black and brown lives in France. And here y'all want photo ops. Shame. Shame. And it's like, the point of them being out there is they're hoping to use their celebrity to focus more light on the problem. And when you take your focus off of the problem, you're going against everything that they're out there for entirely. You're literally erasing black bodies. Literally erasing. I mean, I think even Adele had spoken out about how she has a certain privilege because of her whiteness. And so she's using her privilege as a white woman and, of course, a celebrity to draw attention to the cause and amplify black voices. But by only focusing on her and making it about her, that kind of misses the entire point, right? Yeah. Like, on the one hand, like, maybe just don't repost images of Adele at a protest just to get likes at all. Mm -hmm. But then definitely, if you're going to do it, don't crop out the black people that she's, like, trying to promote. I just, like... They still doing it. Like, (laughs) I have had to go on many posts being like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are you cropping out? Like, do you know who Melissa Laveau is? I don't know. Uh -uh. Wait, that sounds really familiar. I don't know why. She's a singer and she took the picture. She took the famous picture of Adele on the train Uh, reading the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she performed at an event that Adele and I think her name was Nadaj and a bunch of different queer folks were at. And... Melissa posted a group photo and they took Melissa's photo, cropped her out of it and reposted it. Are you kidding <laughs> they, I'm not kidding. Didn't you say they were still tagging the people that they were cropping out to? Yes. They took her photo, cropped her out, tagged Melissa, and then had a caption about Adele. He believe that shit? Oh, this is making my head hurt. The gall, the audacity. And I saw one of I saw one of these videos that you're talking about and it's like the crop is so obviously like it's a video yeah. and all you can see is this like tiny tiny sliver that just like follows Adele kind of and it's just like it doesn't even look like a good crop just like leave the video alone. It's so tasteless and it's like, embarrassing, it's anti-black, it's just yeah. If you don't think that what you're doing is a supposed racist act by cropping out Black folks, when they're when Adele and your favorite white folks are at protest, it's anti-black. Shame on you, honestly. I've blocked a lot of sites that I used to follow and stuff for doing that. So that was them following Adele and Celine around at protests, and then other people going to the deep dark web to find clips and pictures of Noemi filming her movie and stuff like that. And you look and you're like, where the hell did you get these clips from? Mm. Some rumors were saying people were hacking her stuff and posting it. Some other people were saying that her stuff was fairly public, but they had to go like underground to get it. And it's like, it's not that serious. I don't know. I just, I think people are being racist and creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Racist and creepy. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, If you don't think so, then I don't know what to tell you, but that's what's happening. Uh, So, like, Adele aside, it's racist. Like, don't do it because it's racist. If that's not enough for you, that's insane, one. But there's also, like, if you love Adele, like, what do you think she would think about what you're doing, you know? Like, there are so many ways that this is wrong and just, yeah, I don't know. 
I think if you're doing that, you're basically paparazzi at that point. Yeah. You're not even a fan. You yeah. know what I mean? You're exploiting her and you're exploiting yeah. her message. It is know? literally a running joke between a couple of us that's like, oh, you posting pictures with Adele. You ready to get cropped out? Like, that's how we, oh, right. that's how we are vibing yeah. right now. Yeah. Oh. I'm the only one that goes around to these websites. And I'm like, wait, you reposted somebody's picture who you cropped out and then decided to tag them. Like, that was mind blowing. I had to laugh at that and I commented, I was like, you wildin'. I was like, you, you gonna crop out her old photo? Attack her, you wildin'. Yeah. Wildin'. So yeah, that's been fun. Just, you know, these are human yeah. beings. What would they think if they knew that she took, you know, if you decided to stalk them at a Black Lives Matter protest for photo ops? It's not like it's like, you know, the Women's March or it's like Pride Day or whatever. Pride, fine, maybe. But even then, it's like... But these are like people's lives right yeah that they're trying to put their privilege forth to advocate for and you want to photo op okay i mean whatever yeah so if you see it happening i just want to re-emphasize like i i know it's difficult to call it out but at the very least don't repost don't like it don't leave a heart comment and then if you can like comment and call it out or yeah i don't know it it's just not it's not good Ugh. yeah so that's where i'm at with that i mean i still you know love the portrait nation as much as i can but they do some wild shit and yeah it has to stop i mean it hasn't been as bad since the summer but yeah so we'll see where it goes from here and this isn't just portrait nation exclusively this is something that happens in fandoms i think right when you get maybe when you get to like a certain quantity of people or i don't know but i think maybe portrait nation will start to teeter off as we get more uh lesbian content i think so yeah you know now people are focused on bly manor and <laughs> yeah. happiest season happiest season and aubrey <laughs> plaza and all that like... yeah. oh wait actually <laughs> That's Speaking true. of that, we were talking before we started recording, what were some of the films that had not white protagonists in them that are queer? Tender, which I mentioned last time. Lingua Franca by Isabel Sandoval. Uh, it's about a Filipino trans woman who comes to the States and falls in love. And she's trying to coordinate a marriage of convenience for papers. There's the New York Christmas Night, I think it's called, on Netflix. Oh, cool. I didn't realize that was on Netflix. So I think it's a New York Christmas wedding. Is that the Yeah, a, a New York Christmas wedding. Shout out to uh account Film Fag. That's the account's name. I didn't make that up <laughs> on Twitter for giving us this list. Let me see what else. Alice Jr., Dear X. They're all on Netflix. The half oh, of it cool. the half of it is another okay, one. Right, that's right. That's, that's all I got for now. Thanks. No, I think that's super helpful and Maybe we can, like, dissipate some of the fandom and cool things down a little bit. Oh, wow. Wait, there's a whole huge list here. Oh, my God. He went in. From Film Fag? Yeah. Cool. They they call themselves Film Fag, but their handle is Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds right. Yes. I'm going to send you the list so that you can have that. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we'll link to that, too. But the names of the stuff that I gave you is all stuff that's this year. Okay, cool. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, I got to watch Happiest Season and everything. But I know, <laughs> but I was bringing up to y'all earlier about marketing. I think marketing really can make or break queer cinema. Because I really just didn't like the way they rolled out Portrait. I really didn't like it. They were trying to like appeal to like a wide audience, which it eventually did. Yeah. But yeah. they should have started the marketing off strong for a queer audience. Yeah, yeah. 
because it was everything queer audiences were looking for romance and all this shit yeah and they're like we learned our lesson now we're doing it for ammonite and it's like no and i was like yeah we're gonna do it for ammonite which is 100 percent the opposite of portrait of a lady on fire it's not a romance it's not even really a lesbian story or it has any queer elements in it it's just about a woman who happens to be a lesbian who meets a girl who's sexually repressed Mm-hmm. And probably would have sat on anybody's face, whether it was Kate Winslet <laughs> or another man. It's so true. It really could have yeah. been anything. Yeah. Like anyone who paid attention to her, I think. Yeah. Kate Winslet just happened to be standing in the path of her sexual repression. Yeah. I mean, because they set that up like she got sick and then Kate was like actually taking care uh-huh. of her. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to sit on your face now. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think anyone <laughs> who was taking care of her would have had their face set up yeah. too. I feel like that's a huge spoiler, but... Oh, there. Well, we apologized for it at the top of the show, so it's fine. It just, when I look at that dynamic, I'm like, that really can make or break a film. It really, it really does something to me when the marketing and I have expectations and I go in and I'm like, this wasn't marketed this way. And I try to go in with like, you know, open mind or whatever, but it's stuff like that when they play with people's emotions and content that is personal to a lot of people, like queer stories. And fake the funk. I don't like that. Yeah. I feel like with Neon 2, have you noticed this? How they tend to skew everything towards like horror thriller, even when it's not? Like, I feel like every single movie I see them pop up on my Instagram feed from Neon, it feels like a horror film. (laughs) And it's not. The trailer is edited. Like, it's like, yeah, these cuts. So dramatic. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a strategy of theirs or what's going on. I don't know. You know, I give them props. They're still a very young company. Mm. that's true they had a huge hit with parasite Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. but what i understand they spent most of their money on that campaign and didn't really give much to anyone else which sucks Mm, yeah that is too bad that is too bad can you recall a time where marketing sort of tricked you and you were maybe like unhappy or presently surprised i mean definitely with portrait i 100 percent agree with that going into it i didn't want to see the movie because i was like oh look at this period piece thriller thing whatever i was at can like i don't want to see another fucking period piece about no white folks yeah exactly the only reason why i was like okay i'm gonna go see this is because it was on the lgbtq list at Cannes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah i was like what is this about is this about rich white lesbian like what is this you know and i was pleasantly surprised but like in the states they didn't market it like that at all and a lot of people had told me that they didn't know it was about lesbians yeah mm-hmm. yep i can see because that. the marketing for the film didn't change until that february when it finally came out by then, it was like the word of mouth had hit the ground right. that it was right, a right, right. lesbian queer film, not the marketing. They were so lucky. I feel like they missed the mark and they got really, really lucky because the film just happened to be incredible mm-hmm. on its yeah. own. But if they had leaned into the lesbianism oh, the way that like Happiest Season <sighs> did, imagine, you know, like Happiest Season's breaking records. It's like the most watched film on Hulu, uh-huh. you know? And like had the most signups for Hulu as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if Neon had been a little bit braver. And that movie is not even good from what I heard. That is accurate. So imagine if Neon leaned into the shit. I know my homies at New Fest were trying to get a Q&A with Celine and trying to premiere their movie there. Mm-hmm. And they got completely ignored by Neon, which is unfortunate. But you know what was at New Fest this year? 
And then after it premiered at New Fest, they were wondering why it was getting all these bad reviews. They were like, what happened? <laughs> we marketed it to gay people. Isn't that what you wanted? Isn't that what you people want? <laughs> Don't you just want some lesbian no. face sitting? Isn't that what y'all wanted? Isn't that enough for you? Don't you just want some like pensive lesbians? You know, one pensive lesbian and a chick that <laughs> doesn't know what she wants. That's the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> In a world where one pencil <laughs> meets a chick who doesn't know what the fuck she wants. <laughs> oh my god! I think I w- yeah, that would have been. Y'all gonna create one of them posters <laughs> in a world. Yeah. Honest marketing. Yeah, yeah well, you know, and it was like it was not an earned relationship. There was no tension. There wasn't really any chemistry there, in my opinion. But I don't know if that was the point or not. And then like. Kate Winslet's shenanigans around the film made me not want to see oh, it. Gosh. <laughs> you know, I wanted to make this a special day for Saoirse's birthday. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. So I thought, why oh. not get the female crew together and let's film this scene. And it's so raunchy. It makes Carol look like whatever. I was like, don't bring Carol into this. <laughs> the shenanigans. I was like, this is. I was like, this is so unnecessary. I thought that was like clickbait or like some fake onion article when I read that. I know. I was like, what? (sighs) I forgot about that. You blocked it out. It was like, this is not like, are you serious? I had repressed that. (laughs) She's like, I purposely. And it was like, I don't know why when straight women film these, these movies, they get into these shenanigans. Like, just do it and shut up. Like, be like Mackenzie Davis. She's a straight woman. Thank you. Who's in these films and she doesn't get like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Be like her. Hear that everyone? Be like yeah. Mackenzie Davis. Like yeah. yeah <laughs> More sure. people could be like Mackenzie Davis. That'd be you good. know, speaking of marketing, when I think about it, did they market Carol as a lesbian movie? Um oh God, how could you not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they did. I mean, it's so central to the plot. I feel plot. like it wasn't super overt even then though. Like I f- Let me look at the tagline. Looking at IMDb now for Carol. Let's see, but while you do that, I have to say I so I saw it a bunch of theaters and then I actually watched it on a plane. <laughs> I don't uh-huh. know why, because you know whatever. And they totally cut out like everything. Oh, oh wow! She touches her on the shoulder that scene, and then cut like no kiss, wow. nothing, not even a kiss, not and that's it. Like there's kiss? no no nothing. It oh, was insane because it's such a slow burn to get to that moment. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Oh, okay. I could see why Carol ended up working even with two straight women, because it was written by a woman and directed by a gay man. Wait, is, is, is Todd Hayes gay? I don't remember. He is a gay man, is, and it, yeah. it was and written Patricia by... Patricia Highsmith was, yeah. Well, Patricia Highsmith wrote the, the original book. novel. Oh, okay. It's based on The Price of Salt. The screenplay was also... The screenplay was Phyllis Naj, I think is how you pronounce it, and she's also a lesbian. Yeah. But yeah, I can see why it worked, because there was a lot of queer involvement. The whole thing was super mm-hmm, queer, mm-hmm. yeah. And the tagline on IMDb says, an aspiring photographer develops an intimate relationship with an older woman in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. An intimate relationship, though. I mean, it's like, they're gal pals. They're really good gal well, pals. Well, it's better than, what was that friendship? Like a, a fascinating, fascinating friendship. Yeah, a fasc- it's a fascinating <laughs> yeah. friendship between a photographer and an older woman. Yeah. <laughs> so isn't the director for Amnite, isn't he gay? Yeah, Francis Lee is gay. I think so. I don't. Are there any lesbians involved in that? <sighs> like, on the writing... Wow. 
I don't think so. I mean, they didn't even consult like a lesbian sex coordinator oh, or whatever. Right. They just yeah. did their own sandwich coordination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, this movie, this new movie coming out, another white lesbian movie called The World to Come that I was oh, talking about right. last time. Mm. Yeah. The tagline has no mention of their relationship, which makes me think either this is kind of like Ammonite. Uh-huh. Or they're suppressing Interesting. the queer yeah. and lesbianness. Because the tagline is somewhere along the mid-19th century American East Coast frontier, two what? neighboring couples battle hardship and isolation, witnessed by a splendid yet testing landscape, challenging them both physically and psychologically. Oh, yeah. That's super <laughs> lesbian. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Wow. It sounds like they're going to like enter Tough Mudder or something. Like... It's written by two men, so oh you're going to be able to look forward oh, to that. Oh, no. God, stop it. Uh, Casey Affleck is in it, so that's fun. Oh, that's I know. Right. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I blocked that out. <laughs> this dude wrote that in his review. He said it's the spellbinding romance of stolen hours. Mm. <laughs> Oh my God, listen, Mona Fastup's drama stars Catherine Waterson and Vanessa Kirby as 19th century farmer wives seeking escape from their drudgery and husbands. <laughs> seeking uh, escape. Uh, That's what lesbianism is, <laughs> didn't you know? It's an escape from yeah. your husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's escape from your husband. Oh man, I'm going to try. Farmer wives. Farmer mm. wives. Cottage core from Let's see. Indie Wire <laughs> called it swoon worthy frontier romance. So everybody's saying it's a romance. So, but these are men. Between who though? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's not explicitly saying a romance between these two women. It's just like there is mm-hmm. a romance. We won't tell you who, you know. It could be anybody. It's directed by a woman, but written by two men. I don't get this. No. There's only one woman who wrote a review. No, two. Two. Okay. Okay. Out of the 16 reviews, two women wrote reviews. Just two. Joanne, Mariona, <laughs> and Jessica. So three. I'm sorry. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I just have to interrupt and say, call me by your name. This is the tagline. In 1980s Italy, romance blossoms between a 17-year-old student and the older man hired as his father's research assistant. So explicit. Wow. It's like a man has romance with another man. And then, 2005, Brokeback Mountain, the story of a forbidden and secretive relationship between two cowboys and their lives over the years. Wow. Pretty explicit. Wow. That's so straightforward. Just going to put that out there. That was 2005. Hey. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hey. Hey. Wait a minute. Hey. Wait a minute. Okay. So let me look at Portrait of a Lady on Fire. On an isolated island in Brittany at the end of the 18th century, a female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman. No. That's what? Yes. <laughs> on, that's on IMDb. No. Wow. Uh, I definitely wouldn't have watched that. Bro, like what? That's the most boring synopsis here. Let me look up God's own country. Wait, I literally just pulled that one up. Spring, Yorkshire, young farmer Johnny Saxby numbs his daily frustration with binge drinking and casual sex until the arrival of a Romanian migrant worker for lambing season ignites an intense relationship that sets Johnny on a new path. Like what? The blood clark. This is deep shit, y'all. I think I might be writing about this because this is kind of wild. You should. Please do. Please write about it. So my theory is that studios don't want to surprise the audience with the romance between two men. So the marketing has to be more explicit. 
Whereas with women, they can market it to a wider audience because seeing two women romance each other on screen is not going to be as shocking for most people. I don't know. That's my not well-formed theory. I don't know. Yeah. Can we keep looking? Let's keep looking. (laughs) Here's something that's a little bit more vague from And Then We Danced. A passionate coming-of-age tale set amidst the conservative confines of modern Tbilisi, the film follows Marab, a competitive dancer who's thrown off by the arrival of Irakil, a fellow male dancer with a rebellious streak. Yeah, that doesn't really sound so like So that's a little bit more vague. Yeah, that didn't get... I think I'm more interested in the ones that got wider release. True. Well, even this one that you just mentioned earlier, New York Christmas Wedding, as her Christmas Eve wedding draws near, Jennifer is visited by an angel and shown what could have been if she hadn't denied her true feelings for her childhood best friend. Pretty vague. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, what? Come on. <laughs> Tell us it's a, a woman. Jeez. Okay, I'm still looking because I, I know I got to find one that's like, let me look up an old one, Watermelon Woman. A young black lesbian filmmaker probes into the life of the Watermelon Woman, a 1930s black actress who played Mammy archetypes. But then again, this didn't get super wide release. Yeah. So, okay. I have one for you. <laughs> this is not good. Even blue is the warmest color. Oh, no, you're kidding me. Adele's life is changed when she meets Emma, a young woman with blue hair who will allow her to discover desire and assert herself as a woman and as an adult. <laughs> That's literally <laughs> That's like wow. so nuts to me. Wow. Okay, so like Rafiki, right? Uh, the attack line is good Kenyan girls become good Kenyan wives. But Kina and Zeke long for something more. When love blossoms between them, the two girls will be forced to choose between happiness and safety. Hmm, that's That didn't have a huge wide release. Great. I get it. That's a good, that's a good. But it, it's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I want to ask the listeners. How would you, let me read the portrait tagline again. And then I'm curious to know, I want them to submit their own tagline. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I love it. They can only be two sentences or less. Yeah, okay, yeah. So again, for portrait, it says, on an isolated island in Brittany at the end of the 18th century, a female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman. (laughs) Now, knowing what we know about this fucking movie, This movie that you may have seen. Oh, man. Amazing. How would you write a two sentence or less tagline for it? This is a great assignment. Yeah, I'm excited to see what people come up with. That is, who wrote that? Did they watch it? Like maybe not. Did they just like fast forward through? <laughs> no, I think it depends on like the marketing, and they're like, okay, well, do we want to make it general? Because if even if I was reading that, who is that even for? Like that, no one's gonna watch that. That's what I'm saying. Like that doesn't sound interesting at all. Yeah. Like at all. I don't want to see two women talk about painting. I don't <laughs> watch. She's else. obliged to paint a portrait of her. Like. I feel like the subtext there or like what I'm reading into it is like they're afraid. And so they're making it as like generic and boring as possible because they don't know how to talk about it. You know, they don't know how to market it. And I believe that that's the case. I believe a lot of places don't know how to market lesbian cinema. I think you're right. Like if you go through the pictures on portrait, right? Like the eighth picture is the poster that came out when the movie released widely. Uh Why wasn't that the first poster? They should have released the one with Adele on fire and this one. They didn't do that. Yeah. Wait, I have one to read. Okay. Okay. Summerland. Mm. During World War II, an English woman opens her heart to an evacuee after initially resolving to be rid of him in this moving journey of womanhood, love, and friendship. Wow. A fascinating friendship. And like, Summerland is like... It's so fucking... <laughs> and Summerland is 
a lesbian <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> like, even though you don't see them doing anything, at the core yeah. of the movie is this relationship. Because if that's the case, the child, like, this is now my QAnon, except that it's real. <laughs> like, this is a fun, sad game. Yeah, this is a fun, sad game. <laughs> this is just, this is just a sad game. It's actually, it's just sad. I found an okay one. It was definitely not wide release, but disobedience. Okay. Okay. A woman returns to her Orthodox Jewish community that shunned her for her attraction to a female childhood friend. Once back, their passions reignite as they explore the boundaries of faith and sexuality. Great. Pretty clear. Well done. Okay. Well done. <laughs> One point. Well, I wonder if that has something to do with Rachel Weisz. Hmm. Really? And her her wanting to like not be discreet about the queerness oh. in the film. Did she explicitly say something? Maybe she pushed for that. I could see her reading that and be like, no, that's not what this is about. Yeah. Say, tell them what yeah. it's about. She's like, change that right now. Okay, well, let's look at the favorite. Oh, good one. Mm. I'll look up the handmaid. I had no idea. Me either. From yeah. the first no. initial poster, I had no idea it was a movie about lesbians. No clue. It's like the entire film is about this threesome mm-hmm. that's happening. Yeah. I thought it was about something else like war and a rise to power and these three women just fall in love or whatever. But no, it's about the three of them being lesbians. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay, so let me see. Oh my God. In the 18th century England, a frail queen Anne occupies the throne and her close friend, Lady Sarah, governs the country in, in her steed. When a new servant, Abigail, arrives, her charm endears her to Sarah. What? <laughs> I don't even know wah, what just wah. happened. What? <laughs> okay, here's the wah. handmaiden. Oh, God. A woman is hired as a handmaiden to a Japanese heiress, but secretly she is involved in a plot to defraud her. Which I might give a pass to just because, like, spoiler, everybody, the relationship becomes a plot point at, like, at the very, very end. Well, sort no, it's woven throughout. I don't know. Yeah, never mind. Good God. The way I see it is like, not how much you see, how much of the story encompasses or is based on this relationship, like Mm -hmm. Summerland. Mm -hmm. The whole film revolves around this relationship, even though you only see them together for 15 minutes. You hear about the relationship throughout. The reason that the kid is there is because of their relationship. Like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so here's something else. This is still sucks. Queen Anne of England falls sick while her close aide Sarah Churchill oversees the country's important matters. Soon things take a turn when Sarah's cousin Abigail starts serving the queen. She serves her all right. <laughs> it should be in quotes, serves the queen. Yeah, That's the favorite. I'm out. <laughs> I think you should write something about this. It's kind yeah. of eye-opening. I think I'm going to do that. Disobedience is like the only one. Yeah. Is it the only one? I think so. Let me read Ammonite because we didn't read Ammonite. Acclaimed but overlooked fossil hunter Mary Anning and a young woman sent to convalescence by the sea develop an intense relationship altering both of their lives forever. Intense relationship. (laughs) That's a start. I mean, that's a start. It's still mad vague, but it's it's a start. (laughs) Yeah. So you got disobedience and you have maybe Ammonite. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wait a second. Okay, I just pulled up I just pulled up Happiest Season on IMDb. It says a holiday rom com comedy that captures the range of emotions tied to wanting your family's acceptance, being true to yourself and trying not to ruin Christmas. What? I'm sorry. Wow. What? Where did you find that at? Wow. Where did you find that? I literally at? just looked up Happiest Season on IMDb. That's what comes up. Oh my Jesus Christ. Are you serious? <laughs> I, I had to do a double take. Wow. 
Yeah, I'm just trying not to ruin Christmas is the whole point of that. I'm trying to be true to myself. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like she secretly wants to be a watercolor painter, like, for... (laughs) She she wants to paint other women. (laughs) She's obliged to paint portraits, if you know what I mean. She paint that portrait. What is going on? I can't believe... I wonder what the French advertising for Mm. portrait was. I think a good exercise also would be to rewrite mainstream hetero films as lesbian films. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Try to be as vague. Yeah. What a hot mess. <sighs> like, just a hot mess. Okay, so here's this French film, Les Olympiacs. That's Noemi's new film, one of her films, right? And it says, Emil meets Camille, who is attracted to Nora, who crosses paths with Amber. Three girls and a boy. They're friends, sometimes lovers, and often both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty explicit. Like we know there's gonna be some same sex shit going on. Yeah. So yes, folks, we have discovered something <laughs> that is not great in Hollywood when it comes to marketing snatch eating movies. Nice. Yes. And it's not even necessary. People are doing their films a fucking disservice. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? I can't wait to hear some of those new things. All right. So. You have a homework assignment assigned by <laughs> Professor Valerie Complex. <laughs> and I think that's a wrap. Thank you, Valerie, for joining us again. We always appreciate it and love your company. It's always a good time. No, thank y'all. I appreciate it. This is awesome. And I can't wait to read what people have going on. Yep. Same. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So if you've got better rewrites of a portrait synopsis, please email them to us at podcastaladyonfire at gmail.com or comment on the accompanying Instagram post at podcastaladyonfire. Or you can tweet them at us. We are on Twitter at P-O-A-L-O-F podcast. And then finally, if you are enjoying the podcast, please consider rating us on Apple Podcasts as it helps others find the show. Thank you for listening. And thank you once again to Valerie for joining us. Thank you. Talk to you all next week.